Hello and welcome to Dragon Bites Basics, the paediatric podcast aimed at healthcare students or anyone in need of a refresher about common paediatric conditions. I'm Asim, one of the paediatric trainees here in Wales and one of the presenters for Dragon Bites. Each week, medical students will be joining paediatric doctors from Wales to discuss these common paediatric conditions and give them insights into paediatric problems that they may not have faced before. These episodes are just introductions and aren't meant to replace your regular revision. Remember, there will be some regional variations in practice and practice will change as new evidence comes to light. However, this is paediatrics made easy to help students get their head around some new concepts. This week, we're going to continue our episode on Trisomy 21. Cardiff University medical student Sienna Hayes is going to continue her conversation with Dr. Fran Norris, a paediatric registrar during the Community Grid programme. If you haven't listened to the first half of this episode, I suggest going back to last week's episode and listening to that first. Anyway, let's get started. And then in, in terms of other things, I mean, in terms of bowel sort of early presentations or early things you might worry about would be things like Hirschsprung or um, duodenal atresia or stenosis. Um, and the other thing that can be associated is a transesophageal fistula. But you'd, you might pick some of those things up antenatally, but you might, you know, that they would present fairly swiftly. If you had something like a duodenal atresia, then that would have present almost immediately you'd hope with um intestinal obstruction and same with the TOF you would okay. you know that would present fairly quickly so um those are the other things that you might worry about in the newborn um stage so do you know any other um sort of long-term health complications of down syndrome the kind of the only one that i know that's kind of very long is they're a bit more prone to kind of early onset alzheimer's mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um I can't say I know many others. Okay, um, so there's actually loads and loads. So if you look up any, if you name a system, yeah. then there is a, an associated um, risk with Down syndrome. Um, I guess when you're thinking of, of children and adults with Down syndrome, one of the most common, you know, almost universal things is that they're going to have an, an element of intellectual disability yes. um, and a lower IQ. Um, and I guess... You know, the, the thing with Downs is it's very variable. So you can have a you know, sort of milder end um, IQ disability um, or you can have a really severe uh, learning disability. Um, so and you mentioned Alzheimer's, um, you know, that can present quite early onset as well. But, yeah, there's a definite um, increased risk. Um, so, yeah, you'd be looking at in terms of your sort of uh, learning and uh, psychiatric, you, you've mentioned Alzheimer's, there's also developmental delay, uh, intellectual disability, autism, there's an increased risk of autism as well, and sort of your behavioural difficulties. Mm. Um, so we've talked about cardiovascular, and the other thing to think about with cardiovascular is they can actually acquire um, valve disorders as they, they get older. Okay. So you've got your uh, like congenital um, uh, malformations, but then you also want to monitor them for potential valve disorders. Then we've got your GIs. We talked about the ones that might present antenatally, but they've also got an increased increased risk of celiac disease. Yeah. Um, growth, we've talked about they might have difficulty feeding, but they're often small, short stature, and there's also increased risk of obesity. Yeah. Um, 
then eye difficulties, so they often have refraction difficulties, so we recommend um, regular optician checks, rent, uh, regular dental checks, so they can have abnormalities in their teeth. Hearing, we recommend annual hearing screen, they're more prone to glue ear, um, and, and they might have a congenital hearing loss. The other thing that we do annually is thyroid tests because they're increased risk of, of thyroid abnormalities. Um, and the other thing that we monitor closely, so they, uh, uh, in terms of breathing, um, they're increased risk of sleep apnea okay. um, and asthma. But the sleep apnea is one that we, we often see. Yeah. Haematology, they might they're increased risk of leukemias, they might have abnormalities of their blood counts, they might have a mild like a leukopenia or polycythemia. There's also skin abnormalities, urological abnormalities, orthopedic abnormalities. Um, and then one of the one of the other ones that we sort of would flag up on a screen would be um there are increased risk of um anti atlantoaxial instability. So you want to ask about their neck. Um uh, any are they holding their head in a strange way? They got any neck pain, um, and you'd want to counsel them about things like trampolines or things that might put them at risk of atlantoaxial at, at instability. Um, so, th- as I said, any system they would probably have probably, yes. associated abnormality. But um, the main ones that we so we tend to do you have your sort of early intervention, but then we tend to do at least an annual health check for yeah. these kids. And we, what we want to know is we want to know their hearing, their vision, their dental has all been checked regularly. They have annual thyroid function. Um, and then we want to ask about heart symptoms, lungs, symptoms, sleep apnea in particular, any GI symptoms, thinking about celiac disease, um, any neck pain, and then other things like behaviour, how are they doing educationally, how are they sleeping, diet, um, the usual jazz. Um, and um, the other thing is thinking about their toilet training and their periods um or you know sexual development of sexual characteristics and so that's the sort of annual health screen that we would do those are the things that we might be thinking about perfect so you mentioned yeah they have a annual health screening so when you speak to the parents after um their baby has been diagnosed with down syndrome what sort of things do you kind of offer them or what are what are kind of the next steps in following up um this baby and child kind of for the rest of their lives part um part of the health checks you've already mentioned yeah so i guess it is geared a little bit depending on what um difficulties they have um but i mean certainly early doors you'd want to be thinking about doing probably six monthly health checks and then yeah i guess it would be involving the therapist i mean with my community paediatric hat on and um, we'd want to be thinking about maybe in the early stages supporting them um in terms of their development so um we'd want to think about you know is there feeding issues do they need speech and language um support um dietetic support um do they need do we need to talk to education and um, nurse replacements thinking about do they need extra help in school where are they going to go in school what, you know what kind of support do they need from that point of view do they need physio in terms of their floppiness to help them develop um you know what they usually they you know development is usually normal but just delayed yeah. so they have a developmental delay so these when i say normal i mean they usually progress in the same way but it's just often delayed um so you'd want to be thinking about involving those sort of 
team of therapists um, quite early doors and then depending on what health needs they have in terms of you know do they need cardiology do they need ophthalmology do they need an, you know your hearing checks etc um, and then um, so it might be sort of fairly intense in the first instance involving you know I mean, the parents can have to deal with the the consequences, and you, you might want to think about. There's lots of like parenting support groups out there, and um, there's websites with information, um, and then there's things like health visitors, specialist health visitors are often very good um, in supporting the families. Um, so you'd want to, you know, it's going to be a big deal for these parents if they have no antenatally, especially. Um, then you know you want to be seeing them probably quite in fairly intensively in the first instance to support them to come into terms of the diagnosis and then get them to grips with this team of people around them to try and support development in school and and as well as um your health and and the health checks and then so that usually you have like a pediatrician annual health check um but then it's the the other therapists around to sort of have a mdt team to support these children and the parents yeah no that sounds good that very much instead of just one person trying to um, do everything, there's a big team who are specialised in multiple areas to kind of specialise the care to each child. Yeah, exactly. Like and said, it's, so, it's so variable. Um, I mean, I mean, you can you can say they're going to have intellectual disability, and then, mm. but the, the level of what support they're going to need in school is going to be different depending on the child, and their health needs are going to be different, and their development is going to be different. So it is, it is quite variable. Um, so it is sort of gearing, as you say, to the child's needs, really. But they, you just have to keep in mind, these are the things I need to think about. I need to think about school. I need to think about their health. I need to think about parent support, family support. Um, and then things like optician, hearing, dental, flu vaccine, those kind of things as well. And then finally, um, when if a um, parent does ask you about the kind of prognosis um if their child does have Down syndrome, does their life expectancy change at all? So it, um, it is reduced compared to the normal population. Um, but as time's gone on, the prognosis for children with Downs has significantly, significantly improved. Um, but I think you're looking at this, you know, studies that I've seen are saying sort of mid 50s um, average life expectancy, but it is it would be varial depend depending on their other health issues. So obviously if they had a lot of complex heart condition, that might that might factor in. Um, and then also as as you mentioned earlier, they have got an increased risk of Alzheimer's. Um, so that that might factor in. But yeah, you're looking at mid 50s. But I guess you can be quite reassuring depending on the child that. You know, things have come along a great way that they they probably ha- would have a good life expectancy, although perhaps not quite normal. Um, and um, health health outcomes are better than they used to be. And um, off you know, we know better how to support these kids in school, outside school, and in the health um, arena. So often they do quite well. And I think you know, I think previously there might be a stigma about having a child with down syndrome and how you know difficult it might be but you do hear a lot of these like positive stories of parents with kiddies with down syndrome and how loving they are and how that you know they have a lot of positive uh, parts of their personality and they can be really rewarding um so it's not all doom and gloom um and and often if they're diagnosed antenatally you know that that they might be able to say antenatally you know we can't see any cardiac 
um, abnormalities and you know that's sort of improving the, the prognosis already um, when you're thinking about antenatal, antenatal counselling so um, yeah so it, I mean it does have a reduced life expectancy but you know better than it used to be yes. um, yeah even kind of from my um, experience the kind of the topic of talking about Down syndrome is just much more common and more people know yeah. about it and it seems more kind of accepted by just the general community and people do know more information about it, which is great to see. Yeah. And there's things like, um, like I know Sally Phillips, the comedian, she's got a little boy with Down syndrome and um, she did a programme fairly recently about that and how, you know, how it, what a positive experience it was to have him. And yeah. um, and she's always on Twitter um, supporting, um, you know, children with learning difficulties and their disabilities and being quite positive about it. So um, I'd recommend that programme as well uh, if you're looking for other things to, to look at or watch. But no, that, that was an absolutely fantastic kind of summary of Down syndrome really in, in 20 minutes, which is absolutely great. Um, I know particularly at Cardiff, they love doing a um, kind of single best answer questions for our exams. And I just thought to end on, um, in an exam question, how would they typically describe um, a new baby that was born um, that was very likely to have Down syndrome? What certain maybe words or characteristics would they say in the in the exam kind of STEM? Okay, so I, from my experience, what I reckon they'd say, it would probably be, you know, you might be looking at a, maybe a slightly older mother um, maybe they've declined antenatal screening um, and um, so, you know, it hasn't been picked up antenatally. And then you'd be looking at, um, you know, th- things like the sort of keywords that they might throw would be things like IUGR, the small baby, floppy, hypertonic. And then your, you know, your classic Downs things are things like your epicanthic folds, um, pa- uh, transverse palmar crease, sandal gap, um brachiocephaly is a small head and um short uh neck um i think would probably uh be the the main features that might jump out at you but i think i think you know like the main thing i reckon would be that they would say the mum didn't have antenatal screening for whatever reason okay and um, i think that would probably jump out at me thinking hmm, they're trying to point to a congenital something or other here and, and if you see things like um single palm crease or epicanthic folds then you're thinking of Downs. And I guess to differentiate that from maybe your other trisomies, things like Edwards or Patel, they would they've got quite a poor prognosis. So if you're looking at a fairly well baby that's just a bit floppy and not feeding very well, you might be thinking more towards the Downs um, answer. Let's see. No, that's an absolutely fantastic summary. No, thank you very much once again for your time. We all really appreciate it here, and you'll be helping a lot of students. I'm safe to say with this good i hope good luck everybody thank you very much thank you everyone and i just wanted to say a final thank you to both sienna and fran for recording that episode for us join us again next week for a fresh topic thank you for listening to dragon bites basics